The Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. Miles Danhausen here, writer for the Peninsula Pulse, and I am joined this week by Deb Fitzgerald back in town. Mm-hmm. Welcome back, Deb. Thanks. It's, it feels like I was gone for a really long time because it was one newspaper. So <laughs> thanks for picking that up, Miles. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I, I barely held the thread together, but it was good. It's um, hard for people to understand that if one of us is on vacation, then the paper still has to go out. Yeah. So <laughs> someone has to do all of that stuff. And it makes it really difficult. It's not an easy lift and it's a hard ask. So it makes it really difficult to get away. When we're fully staffed, there's not a lot of like extra time to go around and we are not fully staffed at the moment. So there's even less time to go around. But uh, that means you just work a lot more in the week leading up to it, unfortunately, and get things ready. I work a little longer while you're gone, but luckily you're actually able to get away. Where'd you go? We went up to the UP on the Black River Harbor Parkway. So that's at the end of the road. It ends at Lake Superior and the Black River Harbor, which is, there are only two, I guess, federally owned harbors in the country in the lower 48. And this is one of them. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, but absolutely beautiful. It's on the North Country Trail, which is our cabin was kind of right on the North Country Trail. And so we were able to do some serious hiking. And that's on the south side of the Porcupine Mountains. And there's just lots of cliffs and waterfalls. And it's just a really, really beautiful, beautiful place. It's always interesting to me because... Then we come back to Door County. I'm like, well, this is really a beautiful place, too. (laughs) So you go on vacation to another beautiful place, and then you come back home, and it's like, huh, I kind of feel like I'm still on vacation, only (laughs) I have all of my stuff in my bathroom. (laughs) So that's the only difference. I also love that, like, you live on a road that, you know, by Door County standards, they say is high traffic and you need to lower the speed limit. But by like most of the world's standards, it's like extremely remote and rural, you know, <laughs> like, like when the Smithsonian did a short video on Cana Island a few years ago, I kind of laughed because it was like out here in one of the most remote places in the United States. And I was like, are we really that remote? And then you look at a map and you go, oh, that little peninsula in Wisconsin does look very far north and remote. I guess we are compared to like what most of the, the world and what most of America experiences. Right. But even living there, you're like, all right, how can I get more into the darkness? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Because it is, if you live right on Bayshore Drive, you can say that, Miles. But you don't live on Bayshore Drive. And I'm telling you, the traffic is endless. And I was, this morning, I'm on the road. It was, I don't know, like quarter to six. And really only between quarter to six and 6.30 in the morning can you not encounter any cars whatsoever. And then it seems very pleasant and rural. However, after that time, forget it. I'm sure it's probably, I haven't been down there at that time often lately, but I'm sure it's pretty much just like when I used to go from Neighborville to Chicago in the morning. <laughs> yeah. the same kind of traffic <laughs> the situation. Yeah. Yes, yes, the gridlock. <laughs> I have to say where we went on vacation, it was very, very, very quiet. And there was no <laughs> Wi-Fi 
and no cell coverage. So I knew that I was not going to have a cell phone, but I did not know that we weren't going to have Wi-Fi. So that was a real surprise when I got up there. I guess there was some kind of glitch. And it's really interesting to be so disconnected. Yeah. I mean, what's the first thing that you do in the morning? You, you know, you check, check the news your alerts phone and you check, right, your email. And I, I mean, it was just really fascinating to be completely out of it. The UP doesn't seem all that far away, but then you go up there and you're like, wow, this yes. is... Now I'm stepping back outside of like the dollar general that exists in almost every single every town. single town. <laughs> um, other than that, you're like, wow, you have dollar general and then it's nothingness. It so. is. I mean, not even any tourist places, you know, places to eat like things are closed. Yeah. Well, welcome back. Yeah, I'm glad you thanks. made it home. Yes. Um, this week on the podcast, I, we want to talk about a couple of fun things. Well, one fun thing coming up and one, just a cool story, a cool program that's going on. One is what we'll talk about in a little bit is this program called Cycling Without Age. And we have an article about that in this week's paper. But first, we want to talk about Tony Brown, who for people who've been coming to Door County for a while, that name's going to sound familiar. He hasn't been back up here in years, but there was a time where Tony Brown was like a integral part of the local music scene, probably in the early 2000s up here, and a favorite of a lot of people. And you got a chance to catch up with him because he's coming back to town. Yes, he is. He's he's coming to Piranha North Studio in uh, Sturgeon Bay. Which and one is that, by the way? <laughs> I know. I had to look it up, too. I'm sorry for whoever owns Piranha North <laughs> Studio. But I did look it up, and it looks like a pretty cool place. But I don't think that they have venues on a regular basis, but okay. I could be wrong on that. Yeah. And Anyway, he's going to be there in Sturgeon Bay on October 8th at 7 o'clock. It's just one appearance. He's just doing a solo performance. It's part of a bigger tour, as I understood it. He's He tours with his band in Green Bay and Madison. So he's got a couple of other gigs. Okay. But he's just doing a solo performance up here. So, But I didn't know Tony Brown at all. And frankly, it was Jess, who our sales manager. Jess Farley. Jess Farley, our sales manager, who... I like how you totally blanked on her last name. I know. <laughs> Rachel, Jess, you've got to get... Jess who? Who is this? <laughs> no, it's Jess, not just Rachel. You must get that out. No, leave it in, Rachel. Let's stand. <laughs> I was like, just for, for, <laughs> anyway, so it was just Farley, our sales manager who really got us excited about talking with him because she has memories that go back to when she was 13 years old and her parents would take her to see Tony Brown. So she has nothing but really great memories of him. And she was sharing a couple of those in the office. Yeah. When she saw this announcement come through, she was just like, guys, Tony Brown's coming back. you got to do something on this. She was right. very, very excited. Right. Which is always great. Like when we get tips that way, when yeah. people are saying, you know, you really do need to, because there are so many musicians up here and we are charged with, you know, understanding which ones that we should be talking to. And a lot of times we do know, but really those tips do come from people who have seen the performer before and think the performer is really good. And, and when you see so much flood in every week that comes through with like our, our PR at P-Pulse email, where it's, which is where we ask people to send their event submissions and anything they got going on, you know, we get a couple hundred a week. Oh, so you, it, start, it just starts to drone. 
And then, so you need that, like somebody like getting excited sometimes. You're like, oh, wait, yeah, that is cool. Like, because it can, I don't know, it's just, it's the job after a while. So her excitement just reminded me, I'm like, oh yeah, where, whatever happened to Tony Brown? So he's in New Mexico? Mostly? He is. So we talked, we connected, he's in Santa Fe. So that's where he lives now. But he did live in Door County. Mm-hmm. So he lived in a house at the corner of A and E. Okay. So I'm not quite sure what that would be. Around but Penn Center. I think that's, yeah. Yeah, that would be Stone's Throw Winery. Yeah, somewhere <laughs> around there. There's some right. houses around there. <laughs> yeah, there are. So he lived there for, uh, I think it was the late 90s. He okay. said he lived there. So he lived in Door County and Wisconsin. He's lived in so many states around the country and also around the world. Yeah. <laughs> so he's lived, the dude has gotten around. And he decided... When he left here from Door County, he went to Belize. And that was a place he said that just called him. He went there on vacation and then decided that he just needed to go there and and live. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. and live and work there. And he's also a producer, so it sounds to me like he does produce other musicians. But he's been on stage with people like Bob Marley and stages, big stages, you know, those big Italian soccer stadiums, <laughs> you know, that fit 100,000 people or whatever. And so he's, he's performed with some, some very big names, but does his, you know, his own thing, which he describes as kind of a blend of, you know, reggae and blues and jazz and ska and all of these different indigenous musics i don't think that's a word musics <laughs> all of this in- it is now you're, all of this in- you're the writer you get to make up there the we go all of this indigenous music you know whether it's native american or indian indian or all of these different mu- you know musical genres hmm. he kind of puts together and makes it his own through that but when i asked him about his musical influences they were all really early traditional classic blues people okay. like Lightning Hopkins and Howlin' Wolf and, mm. you know, all of these people that I think anybody would know in the blues world. When Tony Brown was playing, when he first came up here, it was like, all right, if Tony Brown was playing somewhere, it was going to be a packed house. You know, in the late 90s, early 2000s, he drew big crowds. It was always fun. It was a heck of a party. And he was always, you know, it was a lot of the reggae rock thing. He actually played forgot this. He played my sister's wedding at Camp David. Did he? Yes. Really? Um, back Which in like sister? Two, my sister, Kathy, who now lives out in Sacramento, but she got married at Camp David. She didn't have a lot of money for this wedding, and this was before barn weddings were a thing. Oh. And she was like, Miles, where do you know where I could get married cheap? Like, and I'm like, I don't know. I could. What about what about Camp David? And she was like, I'm in. So I call Dave Elman and he was like, I'm like, what would it cost to do a wedding there? I said, oh, $50. <laughs> oh my and, gosh. Oh my and gosh. So she got married at Camp David. We did the reception there. And, and since then, a couple of my friends have gotten married there. But at the time it was like, you're getting married in a barn? A brand really? new thing. Like, sure. <laughs> um, but it ended up being great. And Tony Brown was awesome playing huh. it. And he was just like all into the scene and stuff. So it was, uh, you know, tables were danced on. Some collapsed. It was a good time. <laughs> he he was a very very laid back dude. Yeah, he was a He's super nice guy too. I'll say this oh, back super. as a bartender in that time. You know, if Tony came in, he's just always in a great mood. Um, yeah, good. He brought in good vibes wherever he went. Yeah, that's kind of. I got the impression that he just felt things really deeply. Like yeah. you don't talk to too many people who will talk about all different emotional aspects, and he was doing that. 
just mm-hmm. as easily as if people like don't talk about grief and the darker, bittersweet sides of emotions, which we all have, which create a whole life, in my opinion. <laughs> and yet he was doing all of that. And so I was thinking that his music definitely has got to have a lot of that deep feeling in it. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to some of his takes and, you know, sure enough, it, it absolutely does. So it sounds like it will be a really good show. Well, your interview with him in this week's paper is great. And I always like reading it when you get to do like a music story, because it's like you're exercising this totally different part of your brain because almost 90% of what you do for us is writing kind of hard news stuff and municipal beat stuff. And then you go and do music and I'm like, oh yeah, she can do this too. (laughs) Yeah. You know, which is really interesting because, you know, my graduate degree is in creative writing. And that is something, a little known fact. And, uh, and that's what Municipal Beats is all about. Oh, exactly. I like to be able <laughs> to draw characters <laughs> and local government. Okay, that is not you, the case. Actually, we should do an entire issue that's based around creative writing, but still cover the same stories. But you would be covering like a broadband story where you're developing characters. Oh, that is an ex. <laughs> aren't I doing that already, Mom? Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Yes, <laughs> of course. No, this is all character development. That's yeah. what newspapers are. No. <laughs> That is not what newspapers <laughs> quote, are. transition, quote, Right. <laughs> anyway, I think Tony, it's pretty cool to see him coming back. I think I would not be shocked if he added like a couple other things just because I'm sure people would love to see him. Anything else from, oh, you know, the other thing is that Santa Fe to Door County connection. There are so many artists, they're in Door County for a while and then they're like, oh, I need something different. And they end up in Santa Fe and then mm. they end up back here, you know, like Sandy Place, uh, Nor Bly would go back and forth. Winston Sandra Martinez. Mm. going down to Santa Fe. There's just like this, there's this thread. I've never been to Santa Fe, but I feel like I kind of have to go there at some point just to to understand whatever is this symbiotic relationship that draws people to these two remote places. Yeah, and it's, I have been to Santa Fe. It's got the same vibe. Yeah. I only went to graduate, I almost went to graduate school at the University of New Mexico in mm. Albuquerque. So I spent a bunch of time in Santa Fe because you would always go to Santa Fe instead of stay in Albuquerque, but (laughs) Santa Fe has that same kind of artistic vibe. You know, it has that cool thing going on. And another place that is like that is Sedona, Arizona. I've been there. So it's similar to Sedona. Yes. Okay. So it is kind of like Door County West. You know, that's what Santa Fe reminds me of. If we had no soil and all the dirt was red and only rock and no green, we and would be incredible mountain biking in Sedona area. Yes. So it is similar in that it draws the same types of people. And a lot of people think that these places that draw the same types of people have a kind of energy, you know, mm. that's generated from the geography. But that's another complete other podcast. <laughs> I've heard that about Sedona. There's like a, a, a life force thing. Yeah, a life force thing. It's like... In places around the around the world, you know, like Delphi, Greece, that's another one of these energy centers. And I did not get the life force vibe when I was sleeping in the back of my Pontiac vibe in a Walmart parking lot in Sedona. It wasn't as artsy in Walmart as it must have been elsewhere, but it was beautiful. Hmm. And the sunrise from the Walmart parking lot was also not bad. So you're one of those people who has taken advantage of that that free, what, parking lot overnights yeah, yeah. at Walmart? That's <laughs> I, pretty cool. I can't cool. say I felt tremendously safe, but, you know, Sedona's <laughs> got to be all right. Right. Anyway. Yes. So Santa Tony Fe, Brown's right? playing in Door County. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We'll take a quick break here, and then we'll come back. We're going to talk about a really cool program that helps get people outside. 
The Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers. Welcome back. The next topic we wanted to talk about is a program that I got a chance to both experience and write about called Cycling Without Age. And when I first told you and pitched this idea to you, Deb, you were pretty excited about this story idea. I was, and I have to say that, and you, you learned about it in a completely different way, but sometimes when PR comes across, and that is our PR at ppulse.com, as you said, we get hundreds of, yeah. of things. Only a few things will stand out, you know, out of all of that, because, you know, a lot of it is, you know, kind of the same stuff and, you know, basic things. We right. still get it in the paper. But there was one donation, I think it was from Sunshine House, to this organization that you wrote about in this week's paper. And it was so they could buy another Trishaw. Yeah. And I thought, what the heck is a Trishaw? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like I had to look it up. I was thinking of the kind that you pull. Yeah, the old like, like with bars on either yep. side, and somebody sits in back, and you see them in Asian countries. Yeah, like you a rent them like a or, taxi or like a like a Roman race kind of. Thing. Yeah, so that's what I was thinking that it was, but it's not quite like that. And so I thought, wow, I didn't even know that this existed in Door County. And whenever we come across something that we don't even know exists in Door County, I think it's definitely unique. Yeah. And did you know that we have stock car racing in Door County? This is a total aside, but... Th that I did know. The okay, so, you know, so I did not know that. <laughs> anyway, okay, I just learned that last I've week. I've never been to it. I should go sometime. Okay, but so yes, I, and then you said that you were doing this story and you were actually interactive with this story, which always makes a better story. I think I, when I was reading it, you know, you went on a couple of bike rides just so you could see it firsthand. Yeah, so this program, it's called Cycling Without Age. It was started by... The Door County chapter was started by John and Diane Ludvigson. A lot of people in Northern Door will remember John's name because he was a dentist here for a long time. And he came across, he's out riding in southwest Wisconsin, visiting his daughter. He's going down a trail and he passes these guys in a trishaw, just like you. He's like, what is that thing? And what it is, is you ride behind and you have kind of a bench seat in front of you. And somebody is pedaling from behind and there's just a couple of people sitting on this. And it kind of reminds you of like if you're going through a, a lot of tourism towns where they just have like little pedal bike rides that you can take from place to place. But this one looked a little different. So John swung back around and he had to, he's like, I had to ask, what is, what is this bike? What is this for? And that's when he learned about this program called Cycling Without Age. And the whole idea is for people who, for whatever reason, can no longer either don't feel comfortable or just physically can't get out and bike or walk. It's a program that some, there's, they call them pilots who will pedal the bike and just stop by and give free rides and just get people outside. Hmm. So, and they just can sit in the front and instead of being behind somebody where you're just looking at somebody pedaling in front of you, you're in front. So there's no, no obstruction in front of you and you can actually just absorb nature or the neighborhood around you and, and soak it in. And so, and not worry that the person is exhausting themselves to death yeah, when yes. you're watching them in front of you. <laughs> right. But that's a completely different thing. And and these are electric trishaws, so oh, cool. they can you know the, the guy is still working and pedaling, 
but you know, you can do this and carry people of up to, I think like you can, you can carry four or 500 pounds on these bikes. So you mm -hmm. can have a couple of people sit on the front and then with the e-assist, you know, you can go up small hills and some of the steeper portions. So it allows them to go into say like Peninsula State Park and, and ride down the roads and deal with the hills and things like that. And I went, he started this in 20, late 2021. So is it, do they have like a storefront somewhere or is it just something, no, an organization that he recruits pilots and? Yeah, he really bootstrapped it. So they had, huh. he got one Trishaw and they started doing some rides in Northern Door and he found out like there was a, they give, they give a lot of rides in Sturgeon Bay, it turns out. And what they go, they started by going to like Scandia Village and giving some rides and, and trying to recruit people to just get them outside because some of these people, what they found is there's people they've given a ride who haven't been really outside for six months. Mm. You know, don't just don't get out of the building a lot. And then people, they also open these rides up to people who are just, you know, living alone or, or families who have a elderly family member or not even elderly. It could be of, of all ages who just would benefit from getting out. But they, those people, they need to bring the people, like the family needs to transport that person to mm. wherever that ride is going to be. But it's, I rode along on two different occasions and part of it is selfish. Like I would actually love to become a pilot and be able to do this for some of the, the older folks in my life, but also just to see what it's like for those people as they're out there. And one was in Peninsula State Park and just hearing people talk as you're riding along and they're like, wow, I've never been in the park. You know, you take it for granted that everyone's yeah. done it. Mm -hmm. And here are these people with their granddaughter riding through and pointing out Horseshoe Island and just seeing nature in a way that they haven't seen it before. Probably haven't been on a bike in decades. Hmm. So going through the park on foot or on a bike is totally different than going through it on a car. They're both great experiences, but you absorb so much more. And that's what John Ludwigson talked about a lot. It's just like getting the wind in people's hair and getting them out for slow rides in nature where you can actually absorb it, not just pass through. And then at Scanned, it's not Peninsula State Park, but you're still going out. There's a nice little neighborhood back there. There's quiet roads with very little traffic. And as we're going along, the woman I was with, Lynn Corvo, we're going down the road and, you know, she doesn't get out of the building that often, although they said she's like a super fan of the program and, and tries to go on rides whenever she can. But she's riding with her daughter and we go down to the end of this dead end road that I don't think I've ever been down that road. And sure enough, she's like, wait a minute, is that Sue? And it's her old neighbor from North Bay Road. They live in two different parts of Scand. Probably, you know, very rarely interact because of the different nature of those two different parts. And now because of this ride, she goes out and sit, finds out her neighbors right down the, her old neighbors right down the road that she's known for decades. Wow. And we end up stopped in the middle of the road and they're just laughing and joking and telling each other stories and reminiscing and for like 10 or 15 minutes. And it was just such a great experience to see that and see what this program can do. Not just getting in nature, but like getting people out and saying hi to their neighbors again. Yeah. And now they probably get together on a regular basis, knowing yeah, that they still live in the same community. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So do you just call him up and say, hey, I'd like a ride and he brings it to well, you? How does that work? In talking to John, they so they have, they've expanded now. They started with one Trishaw. They got a second and they just got a third. And now they have that third stationed down at Sunshine House so they can do rides on the Anapi Trail, which is another great option down there. They do rides, they partner with a lot of the um, senior centers and hospice centers in the county. And what they'd love is to get, they just want more people. You know, they have, they have a bunch of volunteer pilots and they, they'll always take more. I think they said they have like 20 to 25 people trained and the training is pretty easy, but you just gotta 
go through for maybe an hour and, and learn how the bikes work and, you know, all the ins and outs of it. Is there a license sure. or anything or? No. Nope. Okay. So they just want to make sure that you know how to operate the bike. Yeah. Cause okay. it, you know, you're taking some people who maybe have health issues too, and there's a lot of ins and outs to it, but then they also have a, a trailer that they can take the bike around to different areas. So their long-term goals are, you know, to maybe have a couple more bikes and be able to do these and have them stationed in different parts of the county. So they're not hauling them all over but also to find more locations to do them. Unfortunately, at Scand, where Scandia Village is located, to go much farther than the immediate neighborhood there, there's not really a good road connection. You basically have to go down the Sister Bay Hill, and I will do that on my own. Mm. I will even pull my kids down that hill, but I don't think I'd be comfortable with a couple of people sitting on the front of a trash shop <laughs> flying sure. down that hill. Right. Um, and I don't know if I'd be able to get back up. <laughs> <laughs> so what they'd love to be able to do is maybe have this in places where you could have a little bit more room on some slower, safe roads to be able to take some of these people or pass mm. if, the, if hopefully towns build more pass that they could safely ride on. And so they do station it at a couple of different parts throughout the season, basically May through October, where they have a consistent day where they're at Peninsula State Park and anybody can call and reserve a ride and set up a time to come down and do it. And then they have different days that they go to Scandia Village and the Hospice Center in Surgeon Bay. And they try and set up rides. And what, what they said is, we just want to find more people. We, we, we know John's very passionate about it. And it's just, he just said, I just think it's such a great thing. You can see the impact it has on people. You see how much it brightens their day mm. that we just want to get more people on it and out and doing it. And he's like, I know there's more people who would benefit from it. And it is science-based that yeah. if you are outside in nature getting vitamin D, you know, among trees... There is health benefits well-documented for that. And especially if you've been a shut-in for a long period of time, that does things to your psyche that probably you don't even recognize. So getting people outside, I mean, it just is such a cool idea. Both of the pilots I talked to said the thing that surprised them most is they they were worried that, okay, when I do this and I take someone out, you know, what am I going to talk about? How am I going to strike up conversation? They both said that turned out to not be a problem. You know, you hear, they tell you stories the whole time. You learn more from them than, and that you could possibly tell them, you know, you're in a lot of cases, you're taking someone out who's their seventies or eighties. And I, as just my reporter brain going on, I need to get trained so I can do this because what a great way to learn great story ideas and, (laughs) and background is, is just spending 45 minutes on a ride with, with some of these folks. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what happened on the two rides I gave. You just hear stories and you hear what what their connections are. And did you ride your electric bike? I did not. I was riding along on my pedal bike. It turned out a very bad way to record a conversation, by the way, (laughs) I was trying to do it. And it it just, uh, it was a little, took me a little longer to finish the article because I'm like, Oh, this recording is just not solid. (laughs) So, um, what were you doing? Holding it out? Like as you were pedaling alongside? I was pedaling. Oh, interesting. And pedaling at a slower pace on a regular bike is a little harder than actually going fast. So, but really great experience. And it's, you know, that's one of the great things about what we do. We get to do stuff like that. Exactly. And kind of hop into people's lives that way. And actually when I did that ride with Lynn Corvo, I also got an ice cream sandwich out of it at the end. Cause (laughs) she's like, I have some sandwiches. She's like, tells her son, go in the freezer and and get ice cream. You want ice cream? You want ice cream? (laughs) I'm like, well, sure. Yes, I'll take one. And what's so cool about stories like this is that they happen all the time in our community. And we would never know that people are doing these types of things if it were not for local newspapers. Great point. Great segue here. Thank you. (laughs) 
But it really is. Uh, there yeah. are so many different people aren't looking to be written up in the newspaper when they undertake things like this. Right. They, they're passionate about it. It's something that they believe in and they work on it. They do it. They don't do it so that they can, you know, receive lots of accolades for it. But also it helps to know that people are doing these types of things, yeah. that this, these types of services exist within your community because there are people within your community who care. So that kind of thing, how do you learn about that if you don't have a newspaper? Word of mouth, sure. Yeah. Social media, I suppose. But you're not all on the same social media channels. Right. And you don't all have the same friends. And so to be able to do stories like this, this is like one of the best parts of our jobs, I think. Yeah, I th you think about, say, like, the Tony Brown story or the cycling without age and certainly all these news stories, you know, probably Facebook's or Instagram's algorithms are not surfacing those to me. No. If I'm just Joe Schmo on the street. And I know we're fluffing ourselves a little bit here, but when you pick up the pulse and you just flip through, even if you're not reading it cover to cover, even if you're just glancing and reading some captions, like you're getting, hopefully if we're doing our job well, you're getting a picture of your community, of mm -hmm. what's going on, of who's stepping up and what needs to be fixed or the ideally the people fixing it, you know, mm -hmm. and that gives you a vibe of your community that, you know, each week in 40 or 60 or 80 pages that isn't just tailored to whatever you want mm -hmm. in your, in your feed right? and who you want to follow, but you get it all, you know, right. if we're doing it well. Exactly. And so you might be flipping through the pages because you want one particular thing in the paper. You might want the sports, you might want the obituaries, you might want the legal notices, you might want the music, the entertainment, the local news, whatever it is, you're flipping through those pages and you're automatically seeing all of those other things. Something else will probably catch your eye. Yeah. So you become, like you said, the algorithms on your social media page are going to show you exactly what it is that you're interacting with and nothing else. Yep. You're always going to see the exact same thing that you always see. And we know that social media does not elevate newspaper content because they stopped right. doing that a couple of years ago. I don't know if people understand that on a regular basis. So unless you actively tell them that this is the kind of content that you want to see, then you're not going to see it. So you won't see all of those different things that are happening in your community if you're just staying on your social media feed. Right. So the newspaper does really compile all of that stuff together of what's happening in the community from every facet of the community. So you might not have an interest at all in sports. You might only have an interest in the events calendar and what's happening there, but everything else is there for you to see yeah. what's happening. And it wouldn't be without newspapers. And the reason why we are kind of talking about ourselves, it's because October one through seven is national newspaper week. So we know that there are different types of weeks, probably for every week out of the year, <laughs> yeah. but because this is our industry. This is our week. <laughs> it is our week. So we definitely wanted to just give a shout out to that because it is, I believe, you know, that everybody who works in the newspaper industry has to be passionate about it because there are a lot of hours. The pay is not good. In terms of yeah. skills, I mean, that a person has, you know, the pay is not as good as it might be in another industry. I always liken it to, say you're an attorney 
and you decide to work for the state, you know, as a district attorney, well, now you're getting more. But as a DA, you get far less than you would get if you were in private right. practice. Yeah. And I always consider working, I've always considered that, working for newspapers to be that kind of thing. It is a public service. It is something that you do because you believe in doing it. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine working in any other industry despite the stress of the constant deadlines and <laughs> all of that. I cannot imagine working in any other industry because the sense of fulfillment that you get in portraying your community accurately and fairly and comprehensively and bringing that to everybody, I can't imagine finding that kind of fulfillment in any other line of work. And, and I tried to step away for a while and I was in, I was doing marketing work and even if you're good at it and the pay is better, it's just not as fulfilling at the end of the day. Right. You're just shilling stuff, right? Whereas even the smallest things we do, you're like this matters to somebody. This is changing somebody's day. They're making a different decision, whether it means they go see some band that they wouldn't have seen otherwise, or it means that they know a little bit about their tax bill and they show up at a meeting to change something. Or a fundraiser gets 100 more people there to raise $5,000 more for somebody who desperately needs it. Like when you are able to do things and you're just, you know, we're just like a, a conduit for what our community is doing. We're not. Or a I mirror. Mean, I mean, That's... fortunately here, we actually do some of these things too. But for the most part, we're just hopefully providing an avenue to amplify in the best cases, the good that people are doing in the worst cases, the bad that people are doing that needs to be called out. Right. But you know, Margaret or not called out shown. Yes. You know, I mean that because I do always use that analogy of we're a mirror of the community. So that's what we're trying to do is really show the community who they are. Right. We're not fabricating who they are. Yeah. And if we were to only show one side, then it would not be the complete picture of what the community is. And I know that this is the age of positivity. And if you are anything less than positive, then it's kind of evil. I don't really subscribe to that. I believe that the entire spectrum is what makes a life, what makes a community, what makes a person. And so we do need to show everything so that we can fix it if we need to fix it. So we can find solutions if we need to find solutions. Margaret LeBrun gave me what is probably one of my the greatest compliments I've ever heard for the pulse is she said, I just love getting it in my mailbox because we had just started sending it to Surgeon Bay at this time, right around the beginning of COVID. And she said, I, I love getting in the mailbox. Like I pick it up and I I feel like I'm part of a larger community. And I was like, that's excellent. Perfect. Like, can I put that on our masthead? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and she was, she had just moved here. She had always had a vacation here or had a, a home here. And then she had retired and decided to move here. And she was like, I learned so much about my town now. I feel like I'm part of this. Whereas without that, you know, you're, if you're new to a place, you don't, you don't know everything that's going on and you don't see all these other facets that those of us who've lived here our whole lives, maybe intrinsically know. Mm-hmm. And we don't realize that other people don't like, that's not automatic. Mm-hmm. And that, there are some things about Door County that are really special and really different than how other places operate. And it's great that we are able to like put this in people's mailboxes so they can, they can learn that. Right. And it helps them know like, Oh, how do I fit into this community? I don't just take, how do I, how do I really be a part of it? And also to the community to know the commitment that you and Dave Elliott have to this newspaper, because we are ramping up. 
we are not able to cover all of the communities. We have 19 different communities, municipalities in Door County, and that doesn't cover all of the special, the arts, the entertainment, the, the theater, school boards, the schools, <laughs> nonprofit sector. It doesn't cover everything else that makes up those communities. And we are actually hiring additional people to ramp up our coverage and to be in more places at the same time, because it is almost, you can't do it. No, I mean, and you work insane hours. And I hope the, right. listeners, the listeners probably don't know that, but you work ridiculous hours. And just like me, when you finish that, you still are thinking about the things you weren't able to get to. Exactly. And so we need we need to bring in more people to, because there's, there's so much going on up here. There I is. Mean, there is. I mean, we talk about the stories that haunt us. Yeah. Those are the stories that remain on the list that we so want to get to. And those are the fun ones for us too. Yeah. Like those tend to be the ones that, no, we don't really have to put this in. But it would be really informative and a lot of fun to do. And we kind of put those in the back burner. And those are usually the ones that we actually most enjoy writing. Exactly. They're like fun to write. Right. Instead, you're constantly doing like, well, people need to know this right now. Yes. (laughs) And as soon as you're done, as soon as you're done doing those insane hours to get that one newspaper out, it starts all over again the next day. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, that, that cycle. And so having more people to contribute to that lift will help tremendously. And we're just down artificially because Sam Watson, our reporter who is in a car accident and who is recovering very well mm-hmm. and on the road to recovery and starting to participate again in the newspaper, but still, you know, it's going to be a long, yeah. long road, but we are artificially down at this point. Well, enough about us. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Thanks to our listeners for indulging us and in, in talking a little bit about our, ourselves. Um, See, I would National have gone Newspaper on and week. on if you hadn't stopped. No, we could do a whole podcast about <laughs> journalism. You would right. go on and on. But um, we, we love serving our community and we want to celebrate that. So we took a few minutes. Yes. Anyway, coming up in Door County, we you know before we let you go, we are one week away from Pumpkin Patch, which is one of the busiest weekends of the year in Door County. You can find, if you're looking for that schedule of events and everything that's going on in Egg Harbor and also road closures, there's some things that you should know for next weekend. This is a, the weekend of October 6, 7, 8, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 6, 7, six, eight. seven eight. Yes. There are some road closures, so if you want to keep those in mind, check out our website, doorcountypulse.com. We have that whole schedule. And then for the week after, we're just putting up all the information for Fall Festival, which is coming up October 13th through 15th, including all their live music, all the events going on that weekend. And we actually just released a great video that we worked on in partnership, our, our film division, Peninsula Filmworks, and Sister Bay Advancement Association, worked on a a video project over a couple of years to tell about the history and origins of Fall Fest. And thanks to the Youngworth family, we got some really great early video and home movies from the earliest Fall Fest, including old derby races and parades and found a lot of old newspaper articles and photos. So it's about six minutes long. It's got some great interviews with some local legends like Dick Burris and Greg Casperson and Fuzzy Sundstrom. And uh, I encourage everyone to check that video out as well. And you can find that on doorcountypulse.com as well. With that, Deb, thanks for doing the podcast. All I know right, thank we got to get back to the real work here. And um, thanks to our listeners. And we'll talk to you again really soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, 
purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.